This is the Oklahoma Talking Company. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Oklahoma Sports I'm Show. I'm doing good. I'll, it uh, is I'll let you know week. how I'm really doing Jared, after how Saturday. Doing? Yeah, it's it's uh, shaping up to be quite the weekend. It'll be a top 10 matchup as the uh, college football playoff rankings have come out. And we'll probably talk about the CFP in a little while. I think there's a lot... Uh, a lot of potentials to discuss, but Jared, first of all, it feels like it was good. Eight lots, always eat lots. Um, uh, how was I don't think it takes Thanksgiving or any special holiday for me to eat a lot. I just like to eat in general, but uh, I got to do it around some uh, friends and family, so it was good. Um, <laughs> played some games and nothing, nothing too spectacular this year. Just kind of usually we do the golf thing, but we didn't we didn't get to do that this year. So uh, we just kind of hung out and uh, and uh, played some games and ate. Yeah, so it was good. Well, that that sounds like lots of fun. And uh, for OU and OSU fans, they had a week away from football. But for uh, Tulsa fans, they finished out their season on a high note. Uh, yet another overtime victory, forty to thirty-seven, Tulsa over Cincinnati to finish the regular season nine and three. And Jared, uh, we're going to have Josh Stryer with us a little bit later. But in our preseason predictions, you know, we I think I I said eight and four. You and Josh said seven and five for TU. Um, uh, just looking huge, at the big picture, for them, what does it mean uh, for TU to finish program, the season? Program, it's uh, it's 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 a uh, it's a huge uh, uh, building block uh, f- uh, for that program. It's you know, it's it's been successful in, in other sports, and it's had its years where they've been successful, of course, in football. But uh, I think it's uh, easy to say it's been it's 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 been a bit uh, since uh, we've been consistent as far as um, you know feeling good about our play, you know, each and every week out. And I think that's what you could speak on this year is a lot of consistency. Um, sure, we've had had those games to where it's we could have played better or we we weren't looking as sharp as the game before but overall picture um you got to be happy with where this program's at and uh that could be a good thing it could be a bad thing because you know we we've been talking about all these coaching uh this coaching carousel that's been happening um in uh, in the NCAA right now with all these coaches leaving and uh unfortunately when you're a program like Tulsa um Sometimes it's a stepping stone school, so uh, it'll be interesting to find out just uh, how good. Um, it's always good when your program's successful and and win. You don't want to root on a, of course, a bad season just so you can hold on to a coach that you like. But uh, you know, it's it, it will be interesting seeing how the rest of the season plays out because. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, Montgomery's had some success there at Tulsa, and, and I th- a lot of people like him, and I think a lot of people got his eye on him. So, uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a successful year for Tulsa, and uh, it's fun to end, see where they end up uh, in the bowl and uh, see how they they end this season. Yeah, it has been a successful year. I mean, you just look at uh, the the statistics. Dane Evans goes over three thousand yards for the third time in his career in a season. Uh, you've got Flanders who set the single season rushing record for uh, yards with over fifteen hundred. Then you got D'Angelo Brewer uh, with over thirteen hundred yards rushing, and and then and and they're on the cusp of having uh, two thousand yard receivers, which. I believe would be the first time in NCAA history uh, if a, a team would have a 3,000-yard passer, 2,000-yard rushers, and 2,000-yard uh, receivers. And and for that to happen, um, I think uh, Josh Atkinson just needs uh, – it. it uh, I had it earlier. He just needs a, a few yards um, receiving in their bowl game to, to make that happen, uh, which is, is really quite a thing. You need, Atkinson needs 73 yards. 
Um, and so when you think about that offensive prowess, I, I think we, we thought, yeah, Evans is going to get 3,000 yards passing, um, but we did not see 2,000-yard rushers coming in. And not only 1,000-yard, they are well past 1,000 yards. And so that, that just speaks highly of the type of players that um, Montgomery is, is producing and developing. And, uh, you know, Brewer is most likely going to be back next year. And so uh, the, the conference teams were announced today for the AAC. Uh, Tulsa had four on all-conference first team, Blake Belcher, junior guard, uh, Chandler Miller, the sophomore center, Keevan Lucas, senior wide receiver, and then James Flanders uh, were, was on the first team. And then uh, a couple more had, were on second team. Uh, D'Angelo Brewer made second team. Tyler Bow- Bowling, sophomore guard, was second team, and then Evan Plagg, uh, junior tackle, second team. And so uh, it's really quite remarkable that four of the five uh, linemen on on uh, the all or the all conference teams are Tulsa linemen, and so uh, that speaks very highly. And most of those are are still underclassmen, and so uh, the future definitely looks bright for Tulsa. The season's not over yet; they'll they'll get to find out where their bowl destination is here in a week or so, but. Um, just it, things are looking up. And Jared, to your point about Montgomery being a, a name mentioned for some of these vacancies, the one thing Tulsa might have going since Montgomery's only in his second year, and you know, last year they were six and seven, a three three win improvement this year uh, so far with the bowl game pending. Uh, the one thing Tulsa might have going for him is that that some people may not be willing to take a chance yet. They may want another year of seeing what Montgomery can do as a head coach, but. Um, right. You know, I think it's just time if Tulsa is going to make a commitment to football, he may be worth making that financial commitment to. And so it'll be interesting to see how those dominoes start falling as as openings happen, as, uh, you know, Herman goes to, to Texas, uh, uh, Oregon released their coach. Uh, they thought it was worth paying $11 million uh, to get rid of him. So See, that's what's getting ridiculous these days. We're getting so big at contracts that it's not working out, you know, a few years down the road. And they're wanting to move on and schools are getting stuck with these huge buyout contracts. Yeah. You know, it, uh, I don't know. You, you said it. I think coaches like the same, the same way with Montgomery. He, they, you know, people a lot of times want to see consistency. They just don't want to see, well, you know, he had a hot year. The conference was down a little bit. Let's, let's see if he can string together, you know, two or three of these type seasons before we, you know, pull the trigger. And then, you know, nowadays it's, it's teams are wanting coaches are becoming such a hot commodity. I think that so fast that, that teams are throwing in the cash because they're afraid they're going to lose them to, to yeah. another team. So they're jumping the gun so fast, which it's working in favor of the coaches. They're getting these ridiculous uh, amounts of money, you know, for, for, you know, five, 10 years, whatever, some of them, you know, 10 years. Uh, and, and yet to me, I'm like, what, what exactly has he proven? I mean, sure. He's strung together a couple of successful years, but man, you, you're throwing 10 years at this guy and we, we don't even know, you know, I want to, I just, I, I would like to see a little more. Um, I know coaches, you know, they don't see their families. They, a lot of work goes into it, but Man, I don't know. Some of these contracts seem kind of ridiculous, and I think nowadays you're seeing more and more of these, you know, buyouts because we're getting stuck, you know, with you know years left on their contract, yeah. you know, while they fire. Them. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, really, you have to look no further than uh, Oklahoma State with their Travis Ford situation that they finally exactly got out of. Um, so uh, on on kind of that note, we have a buddy who who loves to talk about the money makers of the NCAA football, and that's Josh Dreyer. And we want to bring him on to uh, talk about Bedlam, but we we may talk about uh, the the playoff and the money system as well. Let's see if Josh uh, would like to join us. What up, boys? What's up, baby? Josh, we're glad that that you would be here with us uh, to talk some Bedlam football. And uh, we kind of keep putting it off because we get sidetracked. Um, We're talking about coaches and their salaries right now. What is your opinion on money and the NCAA? That is a, um, yep. I, uh... (laughs) because here's the deal. Let me just, let me just throw in my opinion real quick to give you the, nowadays I was just telling Jason, I, I feel like schools are jumping so hard on coaches because it's like, you know, it's of course it's competitive. They're, every school's wanting to get their hands on the next best coach, and so they're throwing all this money out there. They're jumping the gun early. They're they're prematurely 
get doing contracts. So they get stuck in these 10 year contracts and then it don't work out three or four years later. And then that school stuck paying $10 million because they still have so many years left on the contract. When really I think, you know, let's, I know this coach has been consistent and been winning, but let's slow down a little bit and make this, you know, I understand if you're a Saban or a Myers or, you know, somebody that's been proven, you know, even Bob Stoops, somebody that's been proven, but you know, a guy like Herman, sure. He's been successful at Houston, but come on, are we really going to throw this many years in that? And, and I, I don't even remember his contract. I looked at it, but I, I can't. I'm not saying they did. But, you know, I feel like they just throw all this money and all these years at these coaches. And then they, the Travis Ford, like Jason said a while ago, it's what happened to Oklahoma State. We're left pl- paying him all this money because we thought we had the next best thing when really we're, we should say, hey, here, here's three years. We'll, we'll, we'll renegotiate re- re- after that. You know, and see what's see what's happening. Contracts mean absolutely nothing in today's collegiate coaching world, and exactly. it's, I mean, like, because because so so they just, so Texas is paying Charlie Strong ten point five million dollars to get him off their chest. And here's the thing: so think about it from Texas standpoint. So so three years with Charlie Strong, they're frustrated, say that it's not going to work. We need something better, right? So they fire Charlie Strong, who just spent three years recruiting players and stuff like that now you're gonna have a new coach come in who's gonna have to recruit himself players and put in a new system a new philosophy you're just basically uh uh making your your uh takeaway even longer in the future because now now you're re-upping but and here's my frustration with the whole herman thing is that he he shook hands and i tweeted this out a gentleman's handshake means nothing anymore because he told LSU, I'm coming, baby. I will, I will come, right. and, and I'm excited, and thank you. You know what I mean? But then Texas followed, you know, he, he jumped ship on LSU. And it's like, it, it, this, uh, it. Money talks. What was the, what was the term? Did, did, was there ever a money amount with LSU? No, so I read, I read a historical story, an article. It, I, I don't think there was ever numbers as far as money, but there had been multiple conversations and right. them saying, let's go. Here's the other thing with the Herman deal is I'm a little frustrated because, uh, you, you know, so, so Houston's touting this whole, we got this five-star blue trip kid uh, from the Houston area who didn't choose LSU or any of these big colleges. He, he wanted to stay in Houston and make Houston good. Now what his head coach just did was turn his back on him. So he walked into a family's home and said, I want to be your son's coach. I'm going to raise him up to be a man and we're going to play some great football. And now all he did was turn his back on him for money and the university of Texas Longhorns. Right. That's that's bogus. He has now, in essence, because destroyed this kid. Not, I mean, not totally, but here's the thing. So, so say Houston tanks next year. Well, this kid who could have been great at Houston maybe gets in a system or gets a crappy coach and all these things, and his season doesn't pan out the way that it, it could have. And all these things, you know, I mean, it's a domino effect, and, and it's it's a, it's a little bit of what if they or what if that, but, but that's the way that it works. You know what I mean? And the fact the fact that we've allowed, you know, the NCAA is a bunch of bull crap because here's the thing. They have all these commercials on TV saying that, man, it's about the collegiate athlete. It's about the students. It's about education. Bull crap. Because we right. got these guys making millions of dollars a year, you know, coaching 18 to 20 year olds. And we're using these 18 to 20 year olds who are playing football on a field to make all these upper, you know, executive guys money in these bowl games. Right. There's. Spots for bowl games available this year. There's only 74 teams with bowl eligibility, and it's, it's happened that it's way for all, like the last four years. Yeah, it's a it's it's garbage. Garbage. That's why you know a lot of people. The Thanks, debate Mike. is that <laughs> <laughs> the the debate with a lot of people is is you know why why shouldn't we turn college football into more of a professional type? Why can't we pay, pay these college athletes? Because after all, they're the ones putting seats in the stadium they're the ones bringing money to the university uh if without the players you you have no you know you have no team you have no you know university and and so a lot of people debate on that so a lot of people say well that's what their tuition is for we're paying for their tuition their books we're paying their their education for when they get done with football uh so but that's always many, an interesting topic play- and, and and that's exactly their excuse but how many players 
on Alabama's football team, who's probably going to win a national championship this year, is is getting a full ride. Right. Uh, yeah. These days, these days, there's almost no such thing as a full full ride scholarship, unless you're right. just a five star athlete going to Alabama or whatever. Uh, and then there's not too many of these. Them, even if you're five star, doesn't always mean you're getting the. You know, you may get the sixty two percent, which covers your, you know, your books and and your your boarding or whatever. But uh, I yeah, it's it it's bogus. I, I was frustrated sitting around Saturday watching football. I was so frustrated with the way that things played out and all these arguments and people talking about who's in, who's out, what conference is good, what conference is bad. Oh, you got to have a conference national, you know, championship. And well, here's the thing: Ohio State isn't going to win their conference yet. The playoff bowl committee says, "Okay, you have to, you, you, you need to, you know, Big Twelve, you suck because you don't have a conference championship." Well, basically, what the playoff committee just said the other night with allowing Ohio State in, is that it doesn't matter about your conference championship. No. Because they're not even going to it, and they're in the Final Four right now. Yeah, listen. And, and I, so I tweeted out, I've trusted. It's going to take some some good men to stand up and say, enough is enough, let's break the system. You know, kind of like what we just saw in the political world. But the only way that this whole NCAA money thing is going to be fixed is if the players decide we've had enough. And you saw that with Northwestern. They tried to do that. Um, and that got squandered, obviously. But it's going to take everybody saying, OK, well, we're no longer going to put up with this mess. We're not going to play football unless we get something out of it. Yeah, but Josh, yeah, it, I mean, it's just that that that's not going to happen. Like, no, it's like not. you said, it's, it's just like the Northwestern thing. It's it's going to get squashed. There's they're in, you know, I mean, it, it just can't it can't happen the way it needs to happen without basically the whole sport being destroyed. You know, I totally agree with you. Hey, what, what, what what's going to be interesting is like this whole thing, like with the Ohio state, cause you're exactly right They're They're on, on one hand, they're saying schedule these, you know, big time opponents because you know, weak schedule, you don't have a weak schedule. You're not getting in the big time games, but then you have these teams that, that schedule the tough schedules while everybody else has these pansy schedules and yet they're getting left out. And, and now you have a team like Ohio state with the, you know, you got to have a conference title Ohio State, you, you said it as a prime example. What happens when Penn State wins? And then Penn State sitting here knocked off Ohio State, but yet they're the you know, they're the conference champs or whatever, but yet they're getting left out because you know there was no room for, you know, because they didn't want because Clemson ends up winning or or you know, whatever it may be, whatever the situation may be. I'm just saying that there's gotta be a there's gotta be a a lot. That's why I like the. I don't like this. I like the playoffs better than where we were. But why can't we move it to it? Which it's not going to happen. Not for a while. But why can't we move it to eight teams? You have the five major, uh, five major conferences. I don't care if your conference is the dadgum as weak as you know these. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't mean to say American, but I'm just using it as a. You know, it's not a major conference. Why don't you know? Who cares if your conference is good or not? You take the five conference champions, and then you have your three at-large bids, and that's your playoff. You got eight teams, and you know you go on. There's no, you know, buys with six or anything. Everybody's playing that week. No week off. And and here, if we do a system like that, because I mean, look at the NCAA basketball tournament. There's 60 plus teams in that. Yet we sit around after Selection Sunday talking about the five teams that didn't get in and why they should have got in. There's oh. always going to somebody on the other side of the threshold saying we should have got it you know but in this but in this case we don't have the ohio state thing that's looking like it could happen this year with them getting in when they're not even conference champions leaving somebody out like maybe a penn state who could possibly be i'm saying with this you have okay here's your five conference champs meaning it don't matter if the big 12 went you know yeah Three losses was the winner. The winner goes to the playoffs. That's just the way it works. The five, your five major conferences go to the playoffs. Then you have your three at-large bids. Then you give it to like Ohio State, somebody that's you know right up there at Washington that may not win the thing, but you know it's gonna. I just think it makes more sense and it's it's easier and. Well, that it's that, all about the. Well, that you know. is the logical. 
that that's the logical evolution. It will happen. It, it it it'll probably happen whenever this contract runs out. And and if for no other reason than the reason we were talking about earlier, it's money. They'll figure out they can make more money because they can stretch the the season out for another week and have these major major games. They can get more bowls to to bid to be a part of this system. So they'll get more money from the bowls to to be. So it's it's all going to happen eventually. It's just a matter of when. And it it may be soon because what happens, Jared, like you said, when Penn State does win and then when Washington loses. And now, so now you've got, you've got Alabama, let's say Clemson wins, Alabama, Clemson, and presumably, and then Ohio State, well, then that fourth spot is going to either be Washington uh, or is either going to be Penn State or Michigan. And well, you know, Howard, you know, well, Michigan beat Penn State, but they lost Ohio State. Penn State beat uh, Ohio State, but lost to Michigan. Like it's, you know, it's it's going to be, or even the worst case scenario is what happens when Clemson and Washington both lose, but Penn State wins. Are you going to have Ohio State, Alabama, Michigan, and Penn State in the playoffs? Three Big Ten teams. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but to probably bring, to to bring that home, uh, it's back to Oklahoma. We we do officially pretty much know there's almost zero percent chance either Oklahoma or Oklahoma State can make the top four. Uh, Oklahoma State especially. And so, but that doesn't diminish what Bedlam is for. It's for a Big 12 title. And now, Josh, you, you did nail it in, in our pre, pre-season uh, predictions. How are you feeling right now knowing that going into Norman is, is for all the, the Big 12 cake? You know, I, here's the thing. I, I'm just, uh, I'm proud of what Mike Gundy has been able to do. Uh, I was talking to someone the other day here. Uh, living in Alaska, it's pretty much Pac-12 country. Um, uh, and, uh, it, to, to think about what Mike Gundy has done with the players that he's gotten, you know, being on, you know, cause I mean, he's contended for the big 12 championship, what four out of the last six. Is that right? I'm, I'm probably off. Yeah, on, that is know, correct. Numbers, but Oklahoma, but, Oklahoma state. Yeah, that's remarkable. It's absolutely remarkable what he's done. Cause he's not getting a whole lot of five stars, you know, Make, I don't even know if any, um, and you know, I mean, he's doing this with, with two, three, four star guys. And he's, he has definitely created, if you will, a dynasty, uh, at Oklahoma state. That's something that Oklahoma state fans, uh, have something to be proud of. Um, and, and was I after, you know, uh, the Baylor loss thinking, well, he, you know, it's all down here from, you know, downhill from here. Absolutely. But Mike Gundy, um, you know, has just been able to week after week win the game, win the game, win the game. And and honestly, there's a couple times where, you know, we barely just won in some of those uh, midseason games uh, that Oklahoma State just barely pulled it out. Um, but uh, I think uh, Bedlam for Big 12, like like both coaches have said, you read what the media is saying this week and what they're, you know, I mean, it's going to be fun. It's definitely going to be fun. Uh, I just I just hope my coaching staff are up for it. Hey, think about this. I want to throw this in real quick. And, I, and I've and i been pretty vocal about my feelings on Mike Gundy over the past you know, few years, uh, which he's, he's gained my respect with every season. Uh, I do think he's done a good job. I think he, he weeds out the, the cancers, so you say, uh, on the team. Uh, he don't put up with a lot of nonsense. I, I think he's built the program the right way. Um, you, you have to give him credit for that. One thing, you know, I think, they're like, well, what's he done? Is he wanted you? I don't know if you. And I'm just thinking of this as you're you're talking. If you think about it, Mike Gundy is literally two plays away from playing in two national title game. Now, the the one back in 2011. Let's think about it. If we don't have that mishap against Iowa State, we're playing in the national title game. Oklahoma State is contending for a national title. Now, when would anybody have ever thought? you know, Oklahoma State would be at that level. Nobody. Okay, so we're playing there. This year, think about it. If we don't have that Central Michigan, which, yes, I know it, it, it was a win, it, and people can say, well, they, they shouldn't have played like that. They deserve to lose. Well, that's bull crap. It, a win is a win. I don't care. At the end of the, the game, we should have been on top. We get the win. But, but having said that, my point is if, if we don't do that, you know, if that never happens and we have that win, we're at least – in the conversation of this person loses, this person, we win, Oklahoma State could get in. Now we're not. But my point being is Oklahoma State, what Mike Gundy has done, um, and I'm giving him credit for it, is 
is uh, he's brought this team, just like you said, this, uh, this program to, to national contender. And you could say that because we're, we're literally like two plays away from, 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 for competing for a national title. So you got to be happy with where he's taking this program. You got to, even if you're like me, you know, and get frustrated sometimes. You gotta, you gotta give him some some kind of props. Yeah, I mean, I I agree completely. I think uh, any anyone can see that. You know, Gundy's averaged eight and a half wins in his career at Oklahoma State, and for anyone who remembers Oklahoma State back in the the nineties, especially. Um, eight and a half wins was never reached in the nineties, I guess, you know, one time it was reached. And so he's averaging that, um, you know, for his career. And that's including his three win 2005 campaign. And so, um, he's done a great job. And, and the thing about Bedlam that in, in my opinion makes it so great is now Bedlam. Yeah. The, the record is still tremendously lopsided. I, I know that. And, and OU fans will definitely remind Oklahoma state fans of that, but, but in the last 12 years, um, it has become a game and really probably the last 15, you throw in the miles seasons. Um, it's become a game that, that has implications, um, if if nothing else this year, if the playoffs out of the 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 equation, well, yeah, you got the Big Twelve title, you got a Sugar Bowl on the line against a, a quality SEC opponent, and so I, I really don't think the playoff notwithstanding, you could ask for anything more um, out of out of the two state schools in Oklahoma. I mean, because it's not you know Oklahoma is not twenty million strong like Texas is or California or you know or uh, you know it's it's you're not you're pulling talent from other states into Oklahoma and to get this kind of talent. And to be this competitive, I think speaks highly of both programs. And so, right. you know, this weekend, it's it, it it's exactly what Oklahoma people want to see is they're two 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 big schools. We've we've you know Tulsa's had a great season, but but you know we're we're seeing the two big schools uh, go at it and with a title on the line. And I don't think hey, you could ask for anything more. No, I mean, if anything, honestly. I know, you know, oh, you can, can argue differently, but if anything, I think because of the, you know, neither school, you know, I mean, OU really has an outside shot of making the playoffs. It really makes this game even bigger because it's on the line for both because, you know, for Oklahoma State, you could you could argue the fact that, say, Oklahoma was right there. All we got, all they got to do is win. They're in the playoffs. Well, then that means win or lose, Oklahoma State, we're playing the Sugar Bowl. Yeah. In in this case, it's listen, go big or go home. One of y'all's champions playing in the in the Sugar Bowl, and the other one's you know more likely down in the Alamo Bowl. Which the Alamo Bowl is not a bad bowl. I'm just saying, uh, me. I could give a flip about the Alamo Bowl. We're we're past that point to where I'm just settling for for uh, becoming bowl eligible and and getting in those bowls like the Alamo Bowl, you know, stuff like that. I, I'm I'm ready to compete, and, and in this stage, that I'm satisfied with with going to those uh, major bowls like the the Sugar Bowl, you know, stuff like that. So everything's on the line. I'm fired up. I'm nervous as heck. I, like I can't even think straight and I'm going to be watching this game. I've got a freaking work. So I'm going to be watching this game at work, probably on my phone while I'm dealing with angry parents because they can't control themselves during little league basketball. And I'm going to be having to deal with that while I'm sitting here watching the bedlam game. So yeah, it's going to be a tough Saturday. Here's, for me. How, you Here's how you fix it. You put in the, in the cushion paper on Friday, you know, uh, youth center facility, Deemed uh, un, un <laughs> yeah. uh, unsafe yeah. for patrons to uh, play basketball. Uh, it's closed till further notice. Everyone goes watches the game on Saturday at home, and then you open up the center again and say, "Hey, we're good to go Monday." Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> I don't know that I could swing that, but it's a good thought. Um, Listen, probably- I can't imagine that Cushing's uh, hometown paper has a has a ton of security. I, I, right. I'm, I'm you can, and especially if the guy running the paper has a kid playing little league, you know, just do what everybody else does. Throw some money in there and say, "Hey, listen, uh, if you can yeah. get this in the paper, you know, we'll make sure your hey, kid goes." Money, home. money speaks, even in a little town like Cushing. That's it. <laughs> Well, oil crossroads of America, right? That's right. Crossroads capital of the world. Yeah, pipeline. Um, well, let's let's dive into this, Jared. You said you're nervous, uh, Josh. Um, let's let's start with you. Let's talk about some of the keys, the the things that you're looking for uh, for each team to be successful. Because um, you know, looking on paper, you've got a, 
two pretty dynamic offenses, and you've got pretty two mediocre or two pretty mediocre defenses. Uh, so, what are some of the things you're looking for on both sides uh, for for each team to pick up a win? I think for Oklahoma State, it begins with Mike Gundy, and here's one probably one of my biggest uh, critiques of Mike over the years has been I feel like going into Bedlam uh, and even other games, you you look at. <coughs> Typically, Oklahoma State, and I've seen it change over the last couple of years, but typically Mike and his teams don't come in hyped or prepared. Now, now you can sit around and talk about how hype doesn't make a difference, but I believe when you go into a game confident, hyped up, excited, it helps you. And obviously there's a balance there. But I think last year, Mike and the, and Mike, Mike and the, and the coaches didn't show up prepared. And you heard one of our best players, our defensive end, Agba, say that himself. We weren't prepared. We got outcoached. And you've seen that over, uh, you know, in Mike's career in this Bedlam game, um, you know, year after year. So I just I hope with this extra week that Mike and the, and the team get well prepared. I, I hope that they're excited for the game. I hope that uh, they're confident going into the game. I think the other thing is you're going to have, you know, um, Glenn and the defensive uh, side has really got to figure out how to stop Westbrook and um, and obviously Baker Mayfield. I think uh, that dynamic is uh, depending on what they can do. You know, if we can shut them down, uh, that's great. But, you know, it's been cool to see in the media this week how much trash talk has been going on. Um, you know, I, I feel like maybe a little bit more than normal. You know, Mike kind of threw out a little shot at his brother. Um, you've heard, you know, Westbrook, you know, say some stuff about, you know, our, our corners. And and uh, so I think there's been a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of trash going on. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out on the field. Um, and obviously, yeah, two two great offenses. Um, I, I would I would say that Oklahoma State has probably a, a, a hair uh, extra better defense than what Oklahoma does. So um, I think we got to take care of the ball. Uh, we've got to get those key stops. That's what it's going to be. You know, I mean, is this going to be a high scoring game? Probably. When's the key stop? When's the key turnover going to take place? Can Oklahoma State go back a season or two um, when we were great at getting turnovers, stripping the ball, interceptions, whatever it may be? Um, can we have a big moment like that? Um, at in Norman uh, and make this win happen. Well, I think yeah. those those are great keys. Um, you know, the thing that I'm going to be watching is OU's running attack. You know, last year OU just absolutely destroyed Oklahoma State on the ground. They they literally could do whatever they wanted to do, and uh, I think that's going to be important in this game. The weather is shaping up to be a little bit sloppy. It's going to be pretty cold, and chance of some rain and drizzle and all that kind of oh. stuff. Cold. Well, yeah, Oklahoma no, negative. Yeah, what is it there right now? Uh, we're sitting at uh, minus twenty-five degrees right now. Well, that's you know, I mean, that's a, that's whatever. I guess that's cold, but but you know, it's it's shaping up to be one of those games that if OU can control the game on the ground, I, I think that it definitely favors them. And and to be truthful, I think that they that does favor them. I think they can run the ball effectively against Oklahoma state. And I know Oklahoma state's defensive line is, is the strength of, of this team. But I mean, let's face it. K state ran flat out through this defense. Iowa state had success running through this defense. Texas dominated this defense. Um, so, So, you know, that, that doesn't bode well for Oklahoma state's defense for as, as, as good as it was against TCU, um, I want to see that that scheme again. If Oklahoma State's going to have a chance, but that's just my opinion. I, I I definitely have to give OU the 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 edge on the ground game and and the way they use the ground game. I I feel like Mike and Mike on the OSU side they they tend to fall back on the rushing game, meaning that if it's working, we'll just keep doing it, and if it's not working, we'll keep trying to do it. Uh, whereas whereas I think Lincoln Riley schemes better to make the running game vital for their offensive play play calling. So. So that's one thing I'm definitely going to be watching for. Jared, what about you? Yeah, I mean, you can't be – the coaches, Oklahoma staff, we can't be stubborn and we got to swallow our pride a little bit. We we get too many times, some, just like you said, something's not working, but we continue, no, we're going we're gonna to force it to work. We're going to make it work. We're going to run it till it works. And we end up going three and out, you know, for an entire quarter because we can't, you know, draw up an imagination. It, 
It starts with the coaches, just like Joshua said. I couldn't, you know, I agree 100 percent. You know, I'm not going to mention any names uh, because I didn't have that permission. But uh, uh, a buddy of mine, a guy that I've played handball with and stuff, uh, played for Oklahoma State. Uh, He went on to play in the in the pros. Um, You know, we were playing a few years back and we got to talking, you know, about the difference between Gundy and Les Miles. And he said one of one of the things he said was he, he didn't play for Gundy, but he played for for Les but he was around Gundy, but he said, you know, people are like, why, why could Les get it done? What, what, what's the difference? Why can't Gundy get it done? And one thing that he said is, you know, Les Miles had the type of mentality. He didn't care about the person. He didn't, he didn't have respect for anybody that was standing across from him. He said he'd walk in the locker room and he would just by his demeanor and what he would say, he would have every kid believing that you're better than the guy in front of you. And he just had that type of mentality and he just walk into a locker room and demand, Hey, listen, we're going to go, we're going to go out there and kick their tail. I don't give a crap who they are, Oklahoma, who, and that's the type of mentality he has. And I think with the, with Gundy, Sometimes I'm not saying he goes about it wrong. Everybody has their different, but just like Josh said, Gundy tends to have the more, Hey, let's, let's stay calm. Let's, let's be focused. And you know, type of mentality, which I don't think works in Bedlam. I'm like, fire these boys up and give them a little swag. Because I always feel like going into Bedlam. I'm all, I always feel we, we just already beat sometimes. We, we go out there and we're like, it's Oklahoma. Heck, I'm like that as a fan. I'm, I give us no chance because I'm like, eh, it's Oklahoma. They're used to beating us. So you got to change the mindset of the players. you gotta, you got to change uh, how they approach the game and how they go into the game. Uh, that's one thing I think maybe he's – He's lacked in the last few years. Secondly, uh, just like you guys talked about, it, it starts up front. I'll give the edge, like you said, to Oklahoma on the offensive line uh, up front. I think they're a better line. Uh, defensively, they're, they're not any good up front. Now, does that mean we're going to be able to rush all over them? Probably not because our line is beyond, uh, you know, mediocre right now now we have done better we have uh you know hill and and uh carson have have come along and we've shown some exciting things these last two three games uh that that like to give you hope but it's all up front if if we can get that run game going if we can move that ball on them open up the passing game uh it's going to be a fun game. A lot of people are calling for a shootout. There's no way that it could be a low scoring game because of the defenses for both teams. Uh, but I don't know. I just kind of have that feeling. It's going to be kind of a, a 33 21 type ball game. You know, I think it's going to, I'm not going to tell you who wins because just like, uh, I don't remember which one of y'all said it, but it's going to come down to one big play. And whether that big play is at a crucial time or, or you know, a time. One thing that OSU and we we've talked about on the show, they do not know how to capitalize. They do not know how to uh, continue momentum. As, as soon as they have hit a get a big play at a time that they need it, they they do everything they can to to uh, calm that momentum down. They don't take advantage of it. So on Oklahoma State side. If they can get that big plant, big play, and keep that momentum and use it to capitalize, then uh, I give the edge to Oklahoma State. But uh, but if we can't come out with fire and we can't create that big play, then I think it's going to be a long day in Norman. Well, there there you go, Josh. I know uh, you've got to get out of here, but real fast, what are some of your final thoughts? Do you have any uh, any feeling of, of of what you think this game may may conclude with? Uh, man, I can't, I'm not gonna, uh, I can't predict just because I'm a little superstitious. So, uh, again, I'm just thankful Oklahoma State is in the spot. I'm proud of, uh, proud of Mike and, um, proud of Oklahoma State. Um, here's one thing I'm happy about. I'm happy that I don't have to sit around all day Saturday waiting for this ball game. I'm happy that I can just wake up, kickoffs at 8.30 Alaska time. Ooh, I forget about that. Yeah, start my day off right. And uh, I pray that the rest of the day is uh, is a celebration in the dryer. Uh-huh. We'll all be watching. So, <laughs> well, uh, you better get out of here, Josh. We appreciate you uh, taking the hey. time to be with us, man. Hey, Josh, you tell Nora to quit sneaking up on Zeke like that. I saw that video of her scaring Zeke. It's going to hey, cause trauma. Okay. She, you know, she's a lot more out of her box than what she was when uh, when you were here. You two would have yeah. a blast. You know, she's uh, so full of it, man. She's awesome. 
and I'm she can say it. good folks really good really that's important that is important i'll have to get a video of that yeah, yeah. definitely well thanks buddy hey guys have a great one you too See you. well hey jared i i, I we're, we're almost done but but i do want to keep talking about this i want to talk about some of the just the 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 playmakers that are going to be on the field uh, this weekend because you know you don't know how it's all going to shake out but if you just look at the numbers um there's there's players all over the the offensive side of the ball and and I think I just want to start at the the QB position you probably got the two best quarterbacks not not counting Patrick Mahomes um but but probably the two most I don't know the the best team quarterbacks in the Big Twelve right. with Mason Rudolph and Baker Mayfield. You know Mayfield. I was talking to someone today. Uh, you know they they feel like Mayfield may get that invite to New York. Not that he would win uh, the Heisman, right. but but he might get a, get that invite. But when you look at these two guys, uh, both of them have over three thousand yards. Rudolph, uh, thirty five, almost thirty six hundred. Mayfield's uh, thirty, almost thirty four hundred. But Mayfield's got thirty five touchdowns compared to Rudolph's twenty five. Um, who? Who do you give an edge to? Like, is 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 there one who you think is better suited for this game than the other? They're both one and one, and or or uh, one and zero as a starter in Bedlam. Man, that's tough because I look at him completely different. I think you know an overall think. I think Rudolph has more upside. Meaning, I think he's going to continue to grow more, and I think once he gets to that level, I think he's going to surpass where Baker is. That's my personal opinion. Uh, but at the same time, I think Baker's uh, kind of hit his stride, and he's 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 in his rhythm, and he's playing well. And in a game like this, especially Saturday when they're calling for, you know, maybe some nasty weather, I'm probably going to lean more towards Baker simply because. Because he has that dual threat uh, ability, and I know uh, Rudolph's done a done a, a above average job. He's he's done pretty. He's been pretty good in the pocket, uh, being able to feel that pocket collapse and, and escape. Um, but at the same time, he's not a dual threat quarterback. They're not they're not uh, running gunning to stop you know Rudolph from from running. On Baker, on the other hand, you have to you have to protect you know his arm and his legs, you don't, you don't know which way he's going to go. So in a game like Saturday, uh, as far as the weather, maybe being like they're calling for, I might give the edge to Baker simply he's at home. And, and I think you get that dual threat, uh, combo with him. So yeah, Ed, I, I'm going to give the edge to Baker. Well, I, I, I think I agreed because of that, you know, that, that dual threat ability, cause it, it just opens up the play calling so much more. Um, but, but, Having said that, I think that that Rudolph has potential to have bigger numbers. It doesn't mean that the score would would right. swing OSU's favor. I just think that that Rudolph may have potential to to control more of how Oklahoma State gains yards. I guess I'll put it that way. Right. Um, but but yeah, this is you know in Norman Mayfield. I agree has hit a stride. Uh, he's he's finding ways to just be successful, and so uh, I think that 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 definitely favors OU in this game. And and when you look at who they're throwing to, you've got the the two probably best receivers in the conference, D.D. Westbrook with 1,300 yards, 15 touchdowns, who's a Blitnikoff finalist. And then you got James Washington for Oklahoma State, 60 catches, uh, 1,100 yards, and nine touchdowns. And these these players they get they they both enjoy chunk yardage plays, um, and and it'll be interesting to see how the defenses cover these guys um jared when when i look at the 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 receiving core in general i think oklahoma state has a better overall receiving core but i i wonder who will be able if if ou is going to bracket cover james washington is mccluskey or juan sills or chris lacy are they going to be able to step up and be an open target for rudolph because here's the thing about westbrook i i think if if there's man coverage we're not guarding him oklahoma state is not guarding him um, whether it's Richard Ramon Island or, or Lampkin or anybody, they're not sticking with him. And so that, that, that immediately limits what Oklahoma State can do on defense. And that's why OU is so, so powerful on offense is because if you're going to double cover Westbrook, what's that? That's going to leave the middle of the field wide open for Mixon or, or, or P. Ryan. You know? And so that's something I'm looking for, especially in this game. Exactly. I, I think that's what's going to be so fun and or intriguing, you know, you might say, it is that fact that, first off, neither secondary, I think, is above average. I think they're right at average. 
Uh, of course, they, they have their playmakers and they have their guys that will fly and hit you. But as, as an overall secondary, um, I don't think anybody can say in confidence that uh, either team is above average. So you have that. And like you said, a lot of people say, you know, Oklahoma has the best receiver uh, in the conference, you know, if like you said, if not one in the nation. And then I think Oklahoma State has the second, third and fourth best. You know, mm. they have the best player, but I think Oklahoma State has the best core. So when it comes to, you know, just like you said, if we can, you know, shadow or or whatever Westbrook um we're going to have, like you said, we're going to have to be in lockdown with Mixon and those guys. But at the same time, if they try bracketing uh, Washington, I think it's going to be a big day for Lacey. I think, I think your McClessey's going to get his. And heck, this will probably be a game Seals shows up. <laughs> We've been calling for him all year, and he hasn't had that big breakout game yet. But uh, here lately, it's been Chris Lacey. And this guy, this kid's a stud. I mean, I told you last week, I think with every game, his body size seems to get bigger and bigger and yeah. bigger. And now it's like I'm looking at this guy, which I know it hasn't, but I'm looking at this guy. I'm like, where has he been, you know, all this time? And it's like, I mean, this kid's a stud, makes makes tremendous catches. So, you know, put put another guy out there on Washington. Fine by me, because I think overall Oklahoma State has the better core receivers, core receiving Uh so that's what's going to make this so fun. It, it, it's a it's a game of you know chess. You know what what coaches decide to do, what they draw up, uh, what risk they're willing to take. But I'm I'm I believe I uh, agree with you a hundredfold. If we try to man to man Westbrook, they are going to torch us all day long because he doesn't just catch the ball. He gets those yak. You know, yeah. he, he gets those yards after catch. He, he, he'll he stiff arm you and he'll run, and he's good at it. He's kind of a smaller version. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to put him up there with Des Bryant yet, but as far as uh, he's going to get himself hurt as hard as he runs after he catches, yeah. you know, he, he'll, he's dangerous in that sort. So uh, hopefully uh, we got a game plan drawn up there. I'd rather take my chances with Taylor and the boys up front, stopping P. Ryan and Mixon and having that safety over you know, um, Westbrook rather than let's, you know, that's that pride thing. Let's, let's shut him down man to man. Cause I don't think that's going to work out in Oklahoma state's benefit. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and you bring up P Ryan and Mixon. I, you know, I, I think Mixon is the, 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 the X factor in this game, his, his ability to catch the ball, his ability to run, his ability to return kicks, uh, all those things I think are are heavily heavily favor OU in this game, and that's not to to limit or take away anything from OSU's defense or or anything. But I just you know he is a he is a special player when it comes to uh, being. I mean he's NFL ready in my opinion. I mean he's just oh, yeah. he oh, yeah. he's just that type of guy. Now you add P Ryan back into the mix who who appears to be healthy, and it's going to be a challenge for Oklahoma State's front four and their front seven uh, to 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 see. You know, can can they force OU into some third and longs? And that's that's something I'm not convinced can happen. And and I think that'll be the one of the key things is is when when Mixon's in the backfield, are you going to be able to keep him from getting six, seven, eight, twenty-eight yards at a time? And and that's that's something I'm not sure OSU will be able to do. They sure couldn't do it last year. And I know we've been reading all week long. This is a different defense. They're fresher. They're healthier. And I believe all of that for Oklahoma State. But but I don't. I don't. I, I still don't necessarily believe that's going to be enough to to shut down an OU offense that's averaging forty five points a game. And that's that. Right. I guess uh, that's just one thing I'm going to really be watching is how will they use Mixon. I I I will almost bet there will be a flea flicker or a halfback pass that Lincoln Riley will call. In, in this game, I just I feel like somehow Mixon's going to be involved in a trick play. So there's oh, yeah. there's my prediction for the week. I'm not going to predict a score, but I'll predict a, a trick play. <laughs> right. Probably first play of the game, probably. Yeah, it, it might be. Um, but so Jared, I mean, it's it is Bedlam week, and and I know we're both Oklahoma State fans. I I tried to get Jake on the show. He's he's unfortunately on the road uh, tonight, and so because I wanted to get an OU fan's perspective. But uh, Jake did write an article on our on our blog about uh, what Bedlam means to me as an OU fan, and so uh, go to OklahomaTalking.co and and you can read Jake's Jake's article. But but as we as we close it up, Jared. 
Jared. Um, do you do you have a specific bedlam memory that is just like it, it could be a, a win or a loss, a good or a bad memory, but just a memory that that will always stick with you as an Oklahoma State fan? I have two, and they're complete opposite ends of the spectrum. Okay. And if I gave you three guesses, you you could I, I would bet that you would maybe maybe at least get one of them. I'm going to start more recently, uh, going back just a couple of years ago when we were playing in Norman, and uh, young Tyreek Hill um, received the punt that nobody in the stadium, nobody watching on TV, could believe they even punted to him. And he ran that back, and we we captured that victory. I just remember watching that game, thinking, first off, we ain't we ain't, you know, it's over. And then it's it's one of those, don't do it, don't do it, go 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 go. You know, it's where you change your mind right in the middle of the thing. But I just remember uh, them punting that ball with no hope, no anything, and then um, him catching it. And then as he's running, thinking, holy crap. What what are they doing? Why why'd they kick it? Go, go, go. And I and I just I could not, I mean the the excitement that was the disbelief really that was flowing through my body was just not matchable. I mean, it, I, I just I don't know that I could hit that high again, but uh I'm sure I could. But but yeah, that was a big time um victory for me. Now let's go back uh a few more years. Um, and I can't even remember exactly what year it was, but um, we had a chance to win. And I remember sitting in the end zone when a young Adrian Peterson um, mm. takes off and runs that whatever it 80 was, yards. 90 yards, yeah. 80 yards. With the spin move, right? With the spin move. Because that's one of those games. And like I said, I can't remember the exact score. It was, uh, I, 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 that's one of mine. I remember it distinctly. Yeah. It was 2004. I, I, I think that was me. Me and you was probably right there in the end zone together. I think my uncle Freddie was there with us, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, it, it was Freddie. Maybe not. Um, it, I, I actually wasn't at the game. I was working the game. Because um, game, oh, yeah, yeah, game, right. game day was there yeah, that that's year. That's right. Yeah. And uh, it was 2004, 38-35. Uh, it was a dropped Prentice Elliott pass in like yeah. midway through the fourth quarter was what, what did it. Um, right. Yeah. What, why, uh, why does that game stick out to you? Well, because I remember him either. He made that run for the go ahead. Right. Uh, that, yeah, I believe so. I can't see that. I just remember sitting in that end zone and thinking, we, we going to win this game. We got to, which was my first mistake. We're gonna win this game, feeling we're gonna do this, and then next thing you know, we got them pinned deep, pinned deep in their own territory, like on the ten yard line, you know, twenty yard line, whatever it was, and they hand the ball off to AD, and he did wide open hole, all the way down the field, does a spin move, probably you know, for the next level, all the way down, scores a touchdown, and I just remember at that moment being about as defeated as I've ever been. Um, especially in a in a bedlam, you know, matchup. But defeated is what it was, and and you know, I can, there's been so many good bad moments. I mean, you could you could talk about the Rashawn Woods catch, um, you know, being a good one, and so so many big time plays and stuff that's happened. That's what's so fun about this matchup. Uh, it's bedlam. It doesn't matter if you're you know zero and ten or ten and zero uh, or or eleven, whatever the record may be. Um, it's it's who shows up and, and who's going to play because you forget about records you forget about all that stuff it's it's state versus state um, who's going to be the daddy this year and 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 it's fun and it's fun to watch it's fun you know our buddy one of our buddies posted on Facebook hey uh, you know I think he has a buddy of his that's dealing with some cancer and stuff and so you know I, he had a nice post on there about you know instead of bashing everybody let's let's send let's pray for you know our things and and uh, of course, I you know I responded, but you know immediately I thought there there are some Sooner fans, buddies of mine that will will need some praying for um, uh, during or after this game. Uh, ha- had it go if it goes Oklahoma State's way, so uh, definitely uh, uh, I got a couple of them in mind. I won't mention them, but uh, <laughs> it's going to be fun. I can't wait. I'm stoked. Yeah, it it 
you know, that's the thing I was telling someone today, like I, I kind of have, I've been very ambivalent emotionally about this game coming up, like for, for everything that's riding on it. I am, I'm not overly excited. I'm not nervous at all. I think I'm just ready for it to be here. I think you just get to the point where it's like, let's just, let's just play the game. Um, you know, yeah, I, I, I just, I want to, I want to go back to that 2004 game real fast though, because I pulled it up the the game summary. Peterson had 249 yards. He was a true freshman, 249 yards in that game. And then Jason Ricks for Oklahoma state, who is also a freshman missed a 49 yard field goal attempt with 11 seconds left. He had the distance, but he missed it left. And uh, that's what did it. There's just something about this game. Like I was trying to think about Bedlam and and what it means because you know growing up an Oklahoma State fan, you're used to not being expected to win, and 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 that's just that's just part of it. And so I I don't necessarily know what it's like to be expected to win every time, like like an OU fan. Uh, but but it doesn't change the fact that there's just there's something different about this game, especially for the fans. You know, the players sometimes they come in from Texas or California or Florida. They don't they don't get it right off off the bat but but I promise you if they're here for three or four years they get it by the time it's over and right. and they understand that this game is just it's different than any other game and any other rivalry game I know OUS Texas and and everything but this game it just carries a different air and I think it, it's because of the fans I think the it, it means Honestly, I think it means so much more to the fans than it does even the players. But oh, absolutely. But but this year, I think it helps because both sides have so much to play for in terms of a conference title. I mean, Stoops is 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 going for another one, and Gundy's going for number two. And you know, it's the 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 team Gundy can't beat. Uh, you know, right. there's just there's just all that that stuff uh, that that comes into play. And so I am looking forward to it. I'm, like I said, I've been kind of emotionally indifferent, but but I am looking forward to it. I'm ready for that game to happen. And, uh, you know, I'm just I'm ready to, to recap it and to see where both these teams end up uh, in their bowl games. Hey, a, a Big 12 championship and a national title all in the same year. And not even going to the playoffs. What a year for Oklahoma State! Yeah, that would be, you know, <laughs> that would be something. Uh, that may be the first time in in history that <laughs> that, yeah. that could happen. Yeah. Well, well, hey, Jared. I, yeah. Ooh, you're starting to get wound up now, aren't you? Yeah, I'm just, I'm just thinking that you know, it's a, that was a heavy year, you know, 1945. I mean, think back to all the things that happened, you know, with we talked about the the baseball um, during the World Series and all that. That was the last time so and so. And then then Oklahoma State, it's the last time they, you know, they won that championship. And then if you want to get even deeper, you know, I think that was the year uh, Adolf Hitler died. You know, yeah, <laughs> so, it was the end of World yeah, War Two. That's yeah, it was the end of World War Two. So what a year 1945 was, and and for it to for us to to be uh, given that championship uh, this year, I, I think it's only it's only fitting that we top that off with the undisputed, might I add, uh, Big Twelve championship. You mentioned this would be our second. You know, there actually is because I've seen it. There is a Big 12 championship trophy for the year we were co-champions um, in, in in the the you know football yeah. locker room area. Yeah, and uh, I I like those single ones. I don't like the co the co thing. I I, I think come on, really, you, you need to get that on your own. So uh, yeah, I, I wanna I want another I want another Big 12 title, and I want it this year. <laughs> And I want it bad. But, and I want this game to hurry up and be over with so I quit worrying about it. Yeah, but we are an unbiased uh, sports show. Absolutely. Um, for, so, for anyone you know, Oklahoma wins. Yeah. <laughs> well, the state of Oklahoma wins. The state of Oklahoma wins uh, one way or the other. But, uh, Jared, we, we better get out of here. We've I know we've pretty much only talked about Bedlam, but but we'll have plenty of time to talk about basketball and things like that. Uh, but but as, as we're heading out, you know, both teams, uh, uh, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, both uh, starting off hot. Oklahoma State got two big wins out in Maui. Uh, Oklahoma finished third out down in Orlando. And so... Um, some big wins. Tulsa beat ORU earlier this week, and uh, so the Mayor's Cup returns to uh, the the Reynolds Center. But 
Uh, we, we will have plenty of basketball to talk about in that month between the last game and the bowl game. But, um, Jared, uh, you're on a cruise next week, right? I am on a cruise. Uh, I will not be with you guys next week. I as soon I have to work Saturday, as I mentioned, as soon as Bedlam is over, we are on the road to Galveston, and we will we will be cruising uh, to Cayman Islands, Jamaica, I think Cozumel, and so I will have a week on a boat. So that could be a good or bad thing, uh, depending on this uh, game Saturday. Uh, probably a good thing because, like I said, we're unbiased and we're the state of Oklahoma wins. Either one, we're getting a Big 12 title. Uh, so, yeah, I'll be cruising, be gone all next week. So, uh, the show will go on. And uh, as you've had to do a couple times in my absence because of uh, injuries or illness, um, it will go on and I'll, I will tune in as soon as I get some. Uh, I'll probably buy some Wi Fi maybe and tune in and, and listen to y'all's podcast. Well, and Have you got any special guests lined up? Well, I'm working on that right now, and so we'll we'll see if we can... Uh, there, There's no one who can fulfill your shoes uh, in this show, that is for sure, but we'll see if we can get some, some guests uh, to appear. And we may try to get you on the phone as you drive down to Galveston, uh, depending on what kind of mood you're in on Saturday. <laughs> so, right, right. But hey, uh, th- this is the Oklahoma Sports Show. Uh, follow us on Twitter at OK Sports Show. Check us out on Facebook. Go to oklahomatalking.co. You can find past podcasts and uh, blog posts. Read read Jake's article, uh, what Bedlam means to me from my OU fan. And there's there's also a couple other articles on there. So so go check them out. And uh, I, th- I think that's it. Jared, you got any final words of wisdom? Hey, cheer on your team, whether it be Oklahoma or Oklahoma State. It's going to be a fun one. Uh, a lot of... Uh, semi-final rounds happening in high school football get out there and support your local uh school and uh fun week of football coming up so get after it that's right first weekend in december and it is time for bedlam we got to get out of here but we will see you later see you